What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is brought to you by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at ovationup.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Give an Ovation. And buckle up, baby, because we got Bo Bryant with us. Uh, Bo, thank you so much for coming on, man. Oh, thanks for having me, Zach. It's awesome to be here. No, it's, it's, it's truly an honor. Bo, uh, for those of you who don't know, you need to know Bo. Uh, he's a restaurant strategist, technologist. He's the author of four soon-to-be six books, because why write one book when you could write two at a time, right? Uh, he, right. he owns strategy firms, tech companies. He's owned a lot of restaurants. He's a professional chef. Um, he, a lot of his info is found at bobryant.com. You could find him all over the place. He is a need to follow person. And again, super uh, grateful that you're on here. Um, Bo, do you want to real quick kind of, as, uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to do it quickly. You do so much, but you want to share with people a little bit about what it is that you do. Sure. Yeah. Uh, quickly, we basically do end-to-end consulting with you know dynamic discovery into any client's business model, top to bottom. Look at where all points intersect and build custom strategy uh, plans around their business, particularly as it applies to income. Uh, our our core company, which is Rise, the Restaurant Income Strategy Experts, is where the bulk of our business happens and there's derivatives that come off of that in a lot of different ways. Awesome. So, um, I mean, obviously from the get go, just really important to, to check Bo out, follow him. Um, that's how we found out about Bo with some incredible content he put out there. And I was like, Bo, can you come on? And this was last night and today he, he is on. So he's a man of action. Um, Bo overall, why don't we talk for, for a little bit? What are you seeing right now? You know, you're working with a lot of a uh, lot of different restaurants, lot all over the world. Um, what are you seeing as people are coming out of COVID nineteen? Well, you know, I mean, the predictable answer is a lot of doom and gloom and a lot of fear and concern. Um, and I don't typically like to paint my world with that brush, and I, I'm not really going to. I'm just going to tell you that that's what I'm seeing. But I that's short term. Certainly, there's a survival mechanism right now that is justified. Everybody has to have that. They have to understand the financial implication of this and if, how, and what they're going to do just to get past this, this really, really a huge initial obstacle, right? But it will give way, and, and there will be change happening across the landscape. Getting over that first hump is going to be most critical, but then the landscape is going to change completely. And that's really where I see a lot of the more intelligent operators shifting from the fear of where they're at right now to packing that parachute, assuming we're going to get through it, and what's the planning and strategy elements to how we're going to have to tackle this business moving forward to succeed in a post-COVID-19 economy. Yeah, and and in terms of succeeding, uh, a, a recent video you put out was really fascinating. Um, because a lot of the, a lot of people, when when we come on this podcast and we talk to our clients, 
they have this concern that everyone's saying that revenue is going to be dipping, but the expenses need to increase in terms of in, you know, higher sanitation levels and, you know, increased customer engagement. And, and so in, in already the a, a thin margin industry, how do you handle that? Well, I think like any other successful business that you could study, diversity is probably the most critical element to being able to manage any kind of critical blow to one part of your revenue vertical, right? Unfortunately, we work in an industry that's not as dynamic or as multifaceted as it could be when it comes to generating revenue. So while there are some rules to expense and overhead that are going to lopside the traditional value equation of profitability, there is also an opportunity to use that entrepreneurial spirit that got all of us here in the first place mm. and, and really start getting outside of the box and figuring out new ways to create revenue streams. And, and we've seen some really, really cool stuff. I think we're just starting to scratch the surface, but I, I guess probably the most important point that I could impart humbly would be, I, I love success stories. I love sports. Wayne Gretzky was, you know, the goat, right? When it comes yeah. to hockey, he is often credited with seeing the field of play differently than anybody else saw it. He could see it like from this Eagle's eye view. And he had had this tremendous quote where he had said, you know, I don't pass the puck to where the player is. I pass the puck, the puck to where they're going to be. And I think that we all need to start thinking about our business and our opportunity for revenue relative to where the customer is going to be. Because they're certainly not going to be where they used to be, right? Yeah. They're going to stay right past that point. So our, this previous relationship with revenue being attached to the dine-in model is not going to look the same as it did by a large degree. Some of that's going to be forced by legislation and regulation throughout the United States. And that'll look a little different. We're seeing everything from 25 to 75% of capacity uh, at a minimum. That's short term. Understand. Right. That's not going to shape this landscape for the next 100 years, maybe for the next 100 days. Uh, it will start to ease. Things will start to get back to normal. But I don't think anybody can withstand that waiting strategy until this does get back to normal, right? So the unintended consequence of building some great new revenue streams and thinking outside of the box and skating to or, you know, shooting the puck to where the player is going to be is when this does come back and we have these new revenue centers, how much better are we going to be for it? So that's the silver lining, I think, as, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I love that concept that, you know, diversifying revenue streams, that's something where a lot of people are kind of looking at it in terms of short term, right? I know that there's a lot of restaurants. We, we've got a mutual client uh, in Doghouse that we've talked about in this podcast before, because they're just such a great forward thinking brand. Awesome where, brand. Yeah. Awesome. And where, where they're doing things like groceries and things like that. And a lot of people are looking at that as like a short-term solution. Um, but what you're really suggesting is that there's other ways outside of just like, you know, selling toilet paper um, that are more long-term strategies that, that restaurants should be implementing, right? Right, right. You know, the toilet paper thing is cute. Um, it became cheeky really quick after like the 20th restaurant started doing that. Um, 
and it, I'm not begrudging anybody. It's, you know, it's, it's reacting to a very scary place. But again, that's, that's short term. Right. And there may not be a lot of brand alignment with that with some people but yeah i mean I like if i if i get some like if i get ta if taco bell sends me home with a roll of toilet paper I, i'm thinking something different than thank you well, thinking... yeah, there might be better brand synergy there <laughs> in that construct than other constructs uh, but again i don't begrudge anybody doing whatever they can do I, and, and look there's there's this concept in my first book of whisper marketing the best way to create that viral element uh, and seth godin really kind of captured the concept of, of um, within a marketing strategy when it becomes viral is the remarkable marketing. If you do anything that somebody remarks about, that's remarkable. And that in turn is viral. That's people start talking about it. So there, there's some, there's some positive elements to doing, you know, cheeky stuff like that, but it's not high profit margin. It's not sustainable, but it is inventive. And I do encourage people to continue to explore that path. Yeah. And, and there were some things that, you know, uh, you mentioned some things in your most recent video I thought were really interesting, such as, you know, online retail store, custom gift boxes, uh, cooking school, chef lessons, monetized cooking channel, um, off hour subletting, you know, are these, are, are these things that you're thinking that are now part of the new normal? Like, are these things that every restaurant should be considering? Well, to, to a certain degree. Uh, so yeah, in, that, in the most recent video that I'd posted, um, the new profit construct was the third part of the series of five that I'm doing right now, just to, just to get free information out to people and get them to start thinking about planning. Uh, that particular video about creating new revenue streams had a whole bunch of ideas. Not everything applies to everybody, but I will tell you, I, I do have a handful of ideas that I do think are going to apply to everybody. And, and, and they're aligned with, you know, passing to where the customer is going to be, passing that puck to where they're going to be and anticipating that. So first and foremost, every business is going to have to really, really look at a delivery model. And I don't necessarily care who you are and, and what type of business that you have. If your old business didn't travel and doesn't make a lot of sense as a delivery model type of revenue stream, I would challenge you to think about your offering different because you still have a kitchen, you're still paying rent, you can go a lot of different directions. So let me put some of that into context. And let me take a step back first by talking about the delivery model. I'm not advocating that clients work with these egregious predatorial third-party companies that are clipping us at a rate of 30%. It's, it was a necessary evil. And I get that a lot of people jumped on that bandwagon, but it was certainly impacting profitability in a negative way before all this happened. And now if yeah. that's the majority of the way that your sales stream is being developed, it is killing you. It's burying you faster than you can dig out of it. Yeah. So giving, giving away money with every order, right? Just absolutely. It away. Yeah. And I, I'm a capitalist at heart. It'd be crazy for me to think that government should step in on these companies with third-party regulation. Operators and entrepreneurs just need to get outside of the box, get creative, and start doing their homework on what it's going to take to build their own delivery model. Because really what these third parties do is they, they anchor this piece with technology, right? And in the most cases, 
clunky technology, technology where you've got to have this, it looks like the International Space Station with all these monitors by your POS system so that yeah. all these third-party <laughs> companies chime and you can manually take something that came from a computer and type it into another computer. Are you kidding? It's like the dumbest thing in the world. And these patches, so don't get me started on POS companies. They are companies that I just don't agree with the way that they manage data and give operators access to data. It's all closed system. They want to own your data. They don't want to let anybody else in. I've owned tech companies that need to get data from my restaurant, from the POS data points that I created by selling. And my POS company won't let that company access that data. They charge them $10,000 for API integration. They do all this crap that I've never been able to wrap my head around. I'm paying you for this technology. I'm creating the data points and you're not giving me access to the data points freely. That's insane. Hmm. Well, so we've seen some cool companies come out of the need for that. That have, Omnivore is a great example. There's all kinds of really cool examples out there of tech companies that have done these creative patches to integrate third-party software into the POS system. So we're not creating this redundancy for operators to go and move all this stuff manually over here manually when it started in a computer and ends in another computer that's just it's crazy but yep. off that soapbox i'm sorry this is no. all over the place <laughs> but in context the biggest and most attractive part of the third party piece was that it would build a an online ordering platform for the business so that they they hoodwink people they they hooked people with this with this allure of free technology, right? Here's what you're gonna get. Oh, and by the way, we have a network of thousands of restaurants that are in here. So you're also gonna get free marketing exposure and visibility, and it's all gonna be proximity-based and geo-fenced and based on popularity. Oh, and by the way, you can advertise within our channel to move your ranking up to higher visibility. Are you kidding me? Like, it's, God bless them, good technology. Shame on us for getting sucked into it and hooked into it and paying this egregious amount without saying, what would it take for me to build this on my own? Mm. I've owned multiple restaurants where we've done our own delivery. And, oh, it's scary because we worry about the insurance implication. We worry everything. As one of my great mentors, Thax Turner, always says, every problem is a math problem. And I like that. This dude's one of the best leaders I've ever met in my life. And he leads people and gets such incredible results out of people. And he will always tell you, you don't have a people problem. You have a math problem. And if you want a solution, you solve the math, right? So I like that. you look at what the customer's appetite is. Listen, I have a 16-year-old daughter. She, she's a vegan. That doesn't really flow with my culinary prowess. Um, <laughs> it, it's forced me to have to get better in that vertical, but that's not a place that I go to instinctively. That's certainly not what I cook for my wife and my son. So she, I've really just kind of let the reins off and over the last year or so and let her get into this third party ordering for delivery. Part of it was professional curiosity, right? Let me see how the system works so I can watch it, see who the players are in the market, study them and be a consumer at the same time, even though it's, you know, secondhand consumer. My daughter's the one experiencing it. Um, and what's, fascinating is I'll see her get a $12 meal and it shows up at my house for 25 bucks. What's also fascinating is I know how much of that money, that $12 for the meal, the restaurant's getting $9 of it. And yet I'm paying 25. 
Yeah. So the customer has shown us that there's an appetite to pay ridiculous amounts of money for the convenience. By the way, pre-COVID, pre-COVID, they showed us they had an appetite for that, right? So yeah. as operators, we can't just assume that the guest thinks they have to pay the same amount as they would pay in for the product, for the convenience of getting it delivered. You know, that, that's nuts. So we can reverse engineer this by saying, where's the customer's appetite? How much are they willing to pay for this convenience? And if we reverse engineer that, how do we make it profitable? Right? So what's our overhead on the insurance? And if there's any fleet maintenance, if vehicles, we also have, we have amortization and depreciation. We can take, there's a great tax benefit to that. But if our employees own the vehicles, there's different implication on the insurance impact to the business. If it's employee owned or company owned, but it's still worth exploring both verticals. Yeah. Then look at what the entire overhead expense is. Divide that by total number of covers that you would anticipate doing for delivery and then stretch that expense out on top and see if that still is within the threshold of where the customer's tolerance is. Likely it's going to be. And that's it. This is not super complicated. So, and, I, and I'm telling you firsthand because I've done it. And I've even gone so far as we had a chicken wing concept in Boulder, Colorado, right by the campus uh, that we were partners with. And we had done the original design and development of that with a, a great buddy of ours. On Thursdays and Fridays, we'd have nine delivery drivers for a little 988 square foot restaurant. No way. We did 1.1 million in sales out of a 998 square feet or 988 square feet restaurant. That, that revenue per square foot was ridiculous. And by the way, when the campus left over the summer, we had two and a half months where the volume was nothing. So we're really doing that 1.1 million. Over nine and a half months. months. Holy cow. Easy. And when I would have nine drivers on a Thursday or Friday and they would get so jammed up that our delivery times were once to hit the trigger of over 30 minutes, then we would just turn on a switch for third party and allow them to deliver for us to help soften the burden. And so there's a lot of creativity and adjusting and balancing in this, but that's the one that I'm going to say is absolute paramount because when you talk about skating to where the puck is going to be, right? That's where the puck is going to be. They can open up every restaurant. And I'm already seeing this in initial indications. They're opening restaurants, Georgia, South Carolina, Texas. And it's a ghost town. You've got one to two parties coming in at a time. That's it. People are afraid. Yeah. So you can open all you want. They're, that's not where the puck is. We have this ingrained behavior right now that's been instilled over the course of the last two months to get our food at home. The upside is I think restaurants would be smart to start promoting picnic baskets and delivery to parks and picnic benches and beaches, right? Where people can practice social distancing, get product delivered by convenience, right? How the tech is so easy. Drop a pin. Here's my location. Yeah. Plug that in online ordering platform for the address and get your food and people can be out, but they can still be distanced and they can feel safe and you can still sell products. So short-term and long-term, I think that that is probably the imperative strategy that people start paying attention to. Um, love that. That's, sorry. that's awesome. No, no, yeah. that, that was, that was just brilliant there, Bo. Love that. Um, so what, what last piece of, of advice would you have for, uh, for listeners, watchers? Well, uh, here's here's going to be the challenge right the definitive 
gap that lies between the quick service concept and the full service concept. And I've already had some pushback from people saying, Bo, we're a fine dining restaurant. Delivery doesn't scale. Our product doesn't travel. It doesn't work. Well, you have a kitchen. You're paying rent full time. Here's the beauty of the ghost kitchen concept. Nobody knows if you exist because they're not ordering from you to go uh -huh. sit down at your restaurant. It's this fictitious apparatus, excuse me, that exists online. What's to stop me from owning Bo's Badass Steakhouse and then creating, you know, San Diego Steak Frites? Mm -hmm. That's this ghost company that doesn't exist that's made from all the exact same product I have in my existing restaurant. Just it's a shadow brand of what I do with product that will scale better, built to look more like a QSR, has its own website, it's got its own online ordering platform, and I'm just scaling a QSR out of my existing internal full service restaurant. Why not? We're smart, smart, innovative people in this industry. We have the space, we have the product, we've just got to reinvent the way that we're looking at those handcuffs, right? They're not there. Take them off, free yourself, start thinking outside of the box, and, and that's the whole point of all this content I'm putting out is just, they don't have to be an idea that fits everybody, but there's at least one idea in everything that I'm sharing that I hope will at least elicit some type of creativity to start flowing in the mind of these geniuses in our industry to build this bigger, better, and smarter just based off of this very small little concept that maybe I could impart and they can run with it and turn it into this big monster. I hope that's the case. Dude, Bo, I love that, man. Here are my takeaways. One, I love that shift from fear to planning to go where the customers will be, not where they are today. Two, diversity in revenue uh, generation, some really creative ideas. One that I really want to uh, underscore there is just this, I love that idea of a shadow brand. Um, it's just, it's brilliant and it just makes so much sense. Um, and then four, delivery. Own, it, it's going to be around. It's going to be something that stays with us. Uh, so own it. And it's not a people problem. It's a math problem with that. So um, those are the four takeaways from today. Bo, appreciate you coming on, man. This has been just like knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb. Uh, how do people find and follow you? Uh, BoBryant.com is, you know, the biggest and easiest way. Uh, but even if, you know, really just go to YouTube. Type in Bo Bryant on YouTube. I load content, tons of free in-depth knowledge and, and content uh, at least weekly. And I, I don't give nuggets. I don't give three-minute hooks to try to get you to start working with me and paying me. I give you full education courses because I just don't believe that there's, there's value in hoarding knowledge. I think that you're going to see how much I know. And after you can use all the things that I teach you for free and make money on them, you'll probably see value in hiring me or recommending me to somebody else. That's, that's the strategy. It's a win-win to me. Uh, and you don't ever have to hire me, but at least give me good feedback. Tell me uh, that the content's working or give me success stories or tell me what content you want up there. And I always feel obliged to pose it. I'm a hospitality guy. This is what I do. I give to people. It's, it just makes sense. That's my heart. Love it, man. Well, today's ovation goes to you, Bo, for putting out such great content, for putting up with my quarantine hair, and uh, for putting these knowledge bombs here uh, at this Given Ovation podcast. Appreciate what you do out there for the industry, and appreciate you coming on, man. Zach, it's been a pleasure, and I, and I appreciate you. You're, you're going down the same vertical. 
You're giving a ton of great content for free. You're not shamelessly plugging or trying to sell something attached to something else. I, I like your value stream. I appreciate it. I agree with it. And it's really important to our industry. So thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Glad you're with us today. And thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.